Good morning. Welcome, everyone, to First Baptist Church. We are so glad you are here today in this freezing cold weather. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we are not in the negative degrees, are we? Hey, it is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's Amen. stand and praise him together.
All right, how many of you know you're recipients of God's amazing grace right now today, this morning? How many of you know that? Would you raise your hand up? I, I was reading this morning about some place in Alaska in 1947 where it got so cold that breathing out, the moisture would freeze and drop to the earth as people would, would uh, just exhale a breath. And here we are saying, oh, it's so cold today. <laughs> I almost had to wear a jacket. I don't know if, Chuck, do you have shorts on today? Yeah, he has shorts on today. So It's so cold. I don't know what I'm going to do. But on a serious note, on a serious note, I was thinking about this last night with it a little bit chilly, a little bit chilly, um, thinking about the people in Ukraine who are maybe without heat and have been for weeks and months in some cases. Um, maybe without shelter, maybe without a place, maybe a tent out in freezing cold. We are the recipients. We don't deserve what we have more than they deserve it. It's just the grace of God, and we need to continually pray for them. You'll hear in the, in the report we've sent, uh, this church sent several thousand dollars over to uh, Ukraine to help out with some of the situations there. I'm, it, I'm sure it didn't make a a dent in the needs, but uh, let's continue to pray that God does his will in that part of the world. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. We're grateful for the blessings that you give us and for the grace of God that absolutely pours over us, runs down and drips to the ground. Father, you're just such an amazing God, and we are so blessed in so many different ways. It's not even possible for us to number them all today. But Father, we think of those people right now in Ukraine. We think of what they're going through, and Lord, we ask you to resolve that situation. And Father, may you help righteousness to rule and to reign in that part of the world and pray for the end to the war. We pray for Israel and what's going on over there right now also. God, we pray for our own country. What we really, really need more than anything else is a nationwide revival shore to shore, north to south, east to west. God, give us that revival. And Lord, help us to refocus on, uh, on the things that are important to you. Father, we pray for our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for our mayor, that Lord, you would help them to know Christ as their personal savior. Make someone in their inner circle <clears throat> bold and witness for the Lord Jesus. And God, we pray that there would be a transformation of their lives. Father, forgive us where we fail you and bless us today. And thank you for everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Shake hands with at least one person or give them a fist bump or whatever. shoes like that, although I, I might investigate. <laughs> huh? All right. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. If you're in the house, welcome to God's house today. If you are watching by way of YouTube or uh, Facebook, then thank you so much for watching our live streaming today. If you're in the house, first time guest, and, or first time in a long time, Ralph, first time ever, uh, go ahead and take one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you, fill that out, and then at the end of the service, either hand it to us, give it to our VIP people out in front, 
or put it in the offering box. The offering box is to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings in. But uh, if you're a guest today, just please fill this out. If you have a prayer request, put it on there. If you have some questions about the church, put it on there. Anything we can do to help you out, we would be glad to do so. We're going to, a little bit later on, have uh, one of those business meetings where we vote on a budget and have a short business meeting. But I promise you, it won't be too very painful. Honestly, it won't. Saturday, men's breakfast. Are we ready for that, gentlemen? John, we ready for that? Men's breakfast on Saturday, 8 o'clock. <clears throat> if you can be here at 7 to get set up and to help cook, like the last time it was fantastic. So we had a good number of people helping out. Uh, so come be with us, and we'll have a great time. Next Sunday, supreme commitment. That's kind of like we've, we've been preaching on being responsible this whole month, being responsible to our church, responsible to ourselves, responsible to each other, responsible to the world, and so on. So it's going to be a, a, a time of commitment next Sunday. So come ready to do whatever God leads you to do. We'll also be observing Holy Communion. Workers are still needed, so I'm hoping next week some of you will feel led of God to sign up to be a helper. It won't be every week. It'll just be maybe once a month. We'd love to have enough people where we have once a month, and, and that would be great. Food collection is still going on for that new housing development in San Isidro. Women's conference is full up. So if you have not paid your deposit yet, go ahead and do that. And I would like to share with you, before we have a video, I want to share this with you. This is a bulletin article. It goes with what we're going to be talking about today on taking care of ourselves and the responsibility we have to ourselves. It says here, finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's nearly impossible these days to turn on TV or go shopping or go out to eat or read a newspaper or go online without our minds being cluttered and our thinking infiltrated by all sorts of improper thoughts. In this text, Paul gives us the guidelines for our thinking, and it breaks it down a little bit here. We won't go into in detail right now, but true, those things that are genuine, honest, and sincere. The things that are honest, to strive to lead a quiet and peaceable life. The, the things that are honorable. Uh, just is equitable. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Pure is without spot or stain. Lovely means literally toward love. Uh, that is, those things that demonstrate love or response uh, of love. Of good report, that's which elicits praise, virtuous, uh, standard of righteousness, and praiseworthy. Our speech should be to the praise of them that do well. Surely, our lifestyle and thought patterns need adjusting as noted above, particularly when the verb tense and the commands think on these things implies a lifelong commitment. It doesn't work if you just fulfill these words today and then go back to work tomorrow and forget all about it. It's got to be a lifelong commitment that we're concerned about the things that we allow ourselves to think about, a continuous way of doing things. So think about those things. We have a, a video, and then I'm going to ask uh, Rachel if she would come and be ready. Use this microphone right here and share with us about Live Love. In 2023, as Servants of Christ and His Missions, we will enter our fourth year as a nonprofit. 
God has made a number of changes in the last year, giving our missions whole new directions. Charles Spurgeon puts it perfectly. Humble walking with God signifies a perception of God's being and presence. The Lord said to Abraham in Genesis, Walk before me and be thou perfect. There is no perfection otherwise. And David says in Psalms, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. There is no other safe walking. We are never right unless God is the friend of our pilgrimage, the companion of our thoughts, the rest of our weariness, the home of our delight, and the very element of our life. But now comes the humbling. We are to live towards God in all that we do in a lowly, reverent spirit. We are not bidden slavishly to crouch, but humbly to walk. If we are favored to walk with God as Abraham did, in all the sweet familiarity of a friend with friend, yet must we remember, as he did, that we are but dust and ashes. Our closest communion must take the form of worship. When we see our Lord best, we must fall at his feet with awe. We are never to indulge a thought of independence of God as if we were anything or could do anything apart from him. Walking humbly with God involves a profound deference to his will and a glad submission to it, yielding both active obedience and passive acceptance. Humble walking with God cries, undercutting afflictions, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. When the Lord bids us to serve him, I must cry for grace to run in the ways of his commandments. And when the Lord chastens us, we must beg for patience to endure his appointments. Walking humbly with God implies all this and much more than just now we could state particularly. May the Holy Spirit teach us all what a broken and contrite spirit means and keep us ever low before the Lord. Rachel Gorka of Live Love Ministry. Good morning, church. Thank you so much. Thank you for putting that together, Darlene. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I just want to say that I'm so thankful for the Lord's work. And um, if you guys are a part of the Awana ministry, I just want to say thank you. Um, God has brought 32 servant leaders to that Awana ministry program here in Coronado, and I'm truly blessed by that, by you guys. Um, and I could not do it also without this one right here. She is like by my side, this girl, <laughs> and she doesn't want me to say anything about her because she gives all the love and, and honor to the, to the Lord. Um, but I'm just grateful for you, Darlene. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, rhino. Um, have you heard of it, Rhino? Yeah, Rhino, okay. Republican in name only. I just heard that yesterday from my husband. Um, <laughs> and uh, how many of you have been in the refiner's fire? Raise your hand. If you've ever been in the refiner's fire. All right, so my prayer um, for the church is for my brothers and sisters here that we are in the refiner's fire together, that we would have a share in the fellowship of his sufferings. 
What comes out of the refiner's fire is both humility and courage. He humbles us in a way that we can't know what's going on <laughs> and invokes this God confidence of who he is and whose I am. I'm asking for this, and no doubt it seems scary. People don't like it when I pray like these things. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's not me. Um, it does seem scary, but how can we know the power, powerful love of Jesus without him displaying his power in our lives? Friends, do not find it shocking I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but do not find it shocking that when you worship the Lord, that it will bring contempt on the Sinos. I'm going to call it Sinos now. That's a Christian in name only. If you're worshiping the Lord, you, there, that will bring contempt onto the people who aren't sure whose they are. Um, just want you to be aware of that. That's the refiner's fire. Do not be surprised when you live for Jesus, you'll be called too much and not enough. How about that? It's insane. Don't be surprised. Go for it. Um, so are you placating to others in fear? That's what I wanted to ask you. I've prayed over this message. Are you placating to others in fear? Because we need to rise up, saints. I know pastors always about encouraging one another to do the work of the Lord. This is it. This is it. The glory of the Lord is on and in you. By God's grace, we get to quit walking defeated because Jesus is the life, therefore he is the victory. Are you a follower of Jesus? He speaks to this clearly in Colossians 1, 9 through 23. I encourage you to read his word and be changed. And we need to get ready. We get ready. The Lion of Judah is roaring, and he is the very breath that we get to breathe. And I just want to thank you all. We do have a table out front. I know that has nothing to do with what we think live love, but living love is very difficult. It is not easy. It requires humility and God confidence. And we need to be in the refiner's fire to understand what that looks like. So I pray for that for you guys. I love you guys. Thank you guys so much. You can see us afterwards to, to see more about the stuff. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. God bless you. Appreciate it. Stop the table and check it out. And I wanted to mention also, many of you will remember uh, Hannah that was on the praise team from a couple of years ago. How, uh, some of you remember? Her father is right over here. Yeah. This is Alexander, and he is visiting with us today. Welcome, Alexander. We're so glad to have you here. Your daughter was much cuter, but we're glad to have you here anyway. Just want you to know that. Let's stand together and we'll continue to worship the Lord. I thought, I thought for a minute, Rachel, this is probably not appropriate. My wife will tell me I shouldn't have. We know what a rhino is. I, I'm thinking if you worship in, van, in a vain way, you're a wino. <laughs> worship in name all, never mind. Okay. <laughs>
Father, I pray that we would be conduits of your love, your mercy, your grace to those all around us. Help us to be missionaries across the street, across town, across the state, across the country, across the sea. Father, help us to do the work you've called us to do in your power and for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated, except I'm going to ask all of our young men and young ladies to come down here to the front. All of you youngsters, if you would come, and moms and dads and everybody else in the congregation in First, Tim, in First Kings, rather, First Kings chapter 18, you'll find the text. Uh, it'll take us a few minutes to get there, so be patient. But first of all, I get to have an opportunity to talk to some of my favorite people in the whole church, the boys and girls of First Baptist Church. Come on down here. Anybody else? Are we, we're kind of light today on kiddos, huh? All right. Is anybody else a kid at heart? I don't mean infantile. I mean, okay. 
second childhood. All right, boys and girls, how many of you know the song, Oh, Be Careful, Little Eyes, What You See? You know that one? Have you heard that before? Did you ever sing it before? Never have sung it before? Did you ever hear that song? Yeah? Did you? Yeah? Did you? It says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Look over here. (laughs) All right. Then the next verse is, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. In some cases, oh, be careful, big ears, what you hear. There's a father up above. He's looking down in love. You know? So be careful, little ears, what you hear. And then be careful, little tongue, what you say, and be careful, little hands, what you do, and be careful, little feet, where you go, and be careful, little heart, who you trust, because we're only supposed to trust as God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Father, and his Holy Spirit. So be careful about what you think about. Be careful about what you think about. Sing about. Be careful what you do, because that would please God. So in order to help you, be careful what you see, little eyes, we've got some sunglasses for you. So we're going to let you pick out a pair. But first, we're going to pray. So let's press pray first of all. Father, be with these boys and girls. Be with the teachers who will take the next 45, 50 minutes and pour into their lives. And Lord, maybe make an eternal difference because of that. God, we pray you'd give us more workers, even today, that someone might say, hey, sign me up. Or maybe next week on Commitment Sunday that they would say, I'm willing to invest some time in the little one's lives so that they'll know Christ and love him and serve him. So, Father, bless today, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. Pick out a pair of shades and head to your class and everyone else in 1 Kings chapter 18. And like I said, it's going to take me just a minute to get there. Be patient. Paul wrote his first letter to the church at Thessalonica from Athens, Greece. The closing of that particular letter in Thessalonians has several different elements, and I want to focus on one of them for this morning's message today, and that is my responsibility to myself, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. May I read and emphasize that last part again. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Here Paul is confirming the fact that we human beings are threefold beings uh, made in the image of God. We are like God in a way. We are triune. We are, whereas God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are spirit. The Greek word used in this passage, in this verse, is pneuma, pneuma, which means breath, life, immaterial spirit. So it's the breath of life. Then there's the soul, which is suke, which is the immaterial part of us that is life conscious. I'm aware I'm alive today. I'm aware of aches and pains. I'm aware of hearing people sing. I'm aware of, of, of the, the various things. So I have awareness. Guess what? Animals also have life awareness. They have this suke. They know, they, my dogs know when it's Sunday. They get a special treat on Sunday. They don't get the rest of the week. They get a big strip of, of chicken jerky. And, and my dogs, before we get ready to leave in the morning, they'll look at their wristwatch and look at me and say, you ready now? 
You ready now? You ready now? And when they see me pick up my Bible, this is the truth. They see me pick up my Bible, my notebook upstairs. They beat feet downstairs and they're in their beds going, chicken, yay, chicken. Animals have life consciousness. That's not the same thing as an eternal, never-dying soul because that's the pneuma we talked about a moment ago. This is the suke. And then there's the body, which is the soma. We get words like somatic, like uh, psychosomatic, illnesses that are brought on by our mind because our minds are sick. And, and maybe there's no real organic reason why we're having problems, but because our minds tell us we're having problems or are overstressed or whatever, then we have psychosomatic problems. The soma refers to the body. All of us are very aware of our physical construction, our bodies. We cleanse them, we shave them, we dress them, we protect them from injury if at all possible. We feed them, we water them, we take care of them, or at least we should. We exercise them. <laughs> Bodily exercise profits little, uh, but godliness is profitable unto all things, so I just tell people I'm majoring on the godly part and not the other part, but that's not what that means there, so that's kind of not rightly dividing the Word of God. Uh, we are also aware of our soul. We're aware of our bodies because it's with us all the time. We're, we see it in the mirror. We, we, we do all the stuff for our bodies, but we're, and we're aware of our souls, our life awareness. It involves our mind, will, and emotion. We educate them, our, our souls. We counsel them. We listen to them. We talk to them. Yes, you do. You talk to yourself. You talk to your soul. We recognize they can be injured. We ought to. We recognize they can malfunction. Sometimes our soul, our mind, will, and emotions have to be repaired. By the way, sometimes our minds can need repair and treatment. I want you to read this slide right here. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. You can love Jesus and have a therapist too. You can love Jesus and take medication also. Please get whatever help you need. Why? Because you matter. You matter to God and you matter to others. It is, when I became a police chaplain with Coronado, I, I was, I guess, a little bit surprised the number of times a week that we get calls to the bridge because someone is contemplating uh, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It happens every week at least, every week. And, and I'm, I, don't ever... Get to that point, please. If you need help, get help. You matter. You matter to God. He's the one who gave you life. He created you. He's the one who can fix whatever's wrong. He's the one who, who gives you uh, opportunity tools to be able to get well, people to be able to help you get well. And you matter to him. And you matter to us. You matter to other family, other friends. So just wanted to share that with you. TBIs, PTSD, other diagnosed conditions should not be stigmatized. There was a time when they were. There was a time when if a police officer indicated any kind of emotional difficulty or, or problems, Monica, I don't know if you remember these times, but they would be put on, on desk duty. They would be pulled out of the field and, um, and, and just kind of signed to something uh, that wasn't uh, very fulfilling to them. It should not be stigmatized. The military, law enforcement, clergy, contractors, uh, 
business operators, everybody, professionals, everybody can have issues. Everybody can have problems, and, and everybody can need help, and probably everybody needs help at some point in time. Too few of us, we know about the body, we know about the, the mind, will, and emotions, but we don't think that much about the spirit. At least we don't think as much as we should about the spirit. Uh, that part that knows God. The emphasis in our culture is on the physical. Uh, you see ads all the time for, uh, you know, weightlifting and, and gyms that are available with memberships and uh, supplements you can take to be healthy and, uh, and all of that. We, we have an emphasis on the physical. We have an emphasis on the mental, being educated. Those two parts of us consume most of our time, money, and energy, but too little is said about the spirit. And so when we talk about health and welfare, we think of our physical, we think of our minds, or we think of both, but we should also think of our spirit. While it's good to think about the first two, I'm not saying don't think about them, it's better to think about the third. And let's begin with, let's kind of do it in reverse order, not the most important uh, of the three, the spirit's the most important, but let's start with the physical, taking care of the physical, and this is where you are now in First Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read kind of a lengthy passage um, if you get through before I do, feel free to go get a donut or coffee or whatever. So in 1 Kings chapter 18 and in verse 20, so Ahab summoned, Ahab was a wicked king. How many know that? Ahab was one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever had. Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them. Elijah is one of my favorite story, uh, prophets. This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, and you're going to see why in a minute if you're not familiar with it so far. Elijah stood in the front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Baal was one of the false idols, one of the gods of the people in the, in the land of Canaan, uh, and, and it was, he was a, a vile awful uh, worship practice and system, uh, and so they, had, they, were, they were trying to go back and forth between Baal and, and God, and so uh, Elijah calls them out. How long are you going to be on the fence here? If Baal is God, then follow him. But if God is God, follow him. And all the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said unto him, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they want and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood on the altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar and not set fire to it, and then call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is true God, and all the people agreed. Now, about this time, if I were one of the false prophets of Baal, I'd be getting real nervous. I'd think, He's gonna, he wants us to call down fire from heaven? And to tell you quite frankly, if I were Elijah, I'd be a little worried right now. Uh, although I don't think Elijah was. I think Elijah had a lot more faith than I do. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls, prepare it, call on the name of your God, but don't set fire to it. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar as they, that they had made. And about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. I like Elijah. Did I tell you that? I really like it. This is not very spiritual of me, but I really like Elijah for probably reasons I shouldn't. Uh, he says, he began mocking. You'll have to shout louder. 
he scoffed, for surely he is a God. Maybe he's daydreaming, or he's relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip, <coughs> or he's asleep and he needs to be awakened. Shout louder. Wake up your, your, your God. So they shouted louder and followed their normal custom. They even cut themselves, uh, drawing blood with knives and swords until the blood gushed out for the purpose of a blood sacrifice. They raved all afternoon. We're talking hours here now. Sometime in the morning they began, went to noontime. Uh, Elijah began making fun of them. Uh, they went into the afternoon. And, and, and the evening sacrifice, and there was no sound, no reply, no response. You know why? Because Baal's not God. Baal's the figment of some people's imagination. And any God that is not the Heavenly Father, Jehovah, Almighty, Elohim, God, is not the true God. And so Elijah called the people, come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. And he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to build the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled the wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. You, you see what he's done? He's repaired, repaired the altar, dug a trench around it. That's not something normally done with the altars. And then uh, he goes ahead and puts the wood on the altar and then cuts up the bull and puts it on top of the wood. And he says, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Oh, man. I, did I tell you I like Elijah? We're going to make this tough on Jehovah God. We're going to see, we're going to see what, what he's made of. We're going to pour water over it. After he'd done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did, as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, can I remind you, they'd been in a three-and-a-half-year drought up to this point. So he's, he's sending for these large vessels of water and pouring it over. The, I mean, you know, probably people are thinking, man, that's, that's a waste of good water. What in the world is he doing? At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. And, and, and I tried to time this. I think it's maybe around a 15 to 18-second prayer. Not a long one. You ever been around with someone, it feels like they're making up for not having prayed for like a month, you know, and they just keep praying and praying and praying. They don't know how to, how to end it, you know, they don't know how to stop, they just keep on going on and on. You want to say, you want to, I want to say, amen, amen. He says, oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant, prove that I have done all this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me, answer me, so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. That was it. That was his prayer. And immediately, the fire of God, of the Lord, flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull. Oh, that's not all. Burned up all the wood. That's not all. Burned up all the stones. That's not natural. That's supernatural. And burned up the dust. It even licked the water in the trench. It even evaporated the water that was in the trench around the altar. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. What a day. That, that's got to be up there with one of the, you know, I mean, the, one of the best days ever 
First Baptist Church has ever had. This has got to be way up there with that, you know. It's like fire from a, fell from heaven. Everybody fell on their face and said, oh, man, the Lord is God. After all, it's not Baal. They worked for hours and hours and couldn't get anything to happen. And, and Elijah's not through. Did I tell you I like Elijah? He's not through. He says, by the way, it's going to rain. Had rained three and a half years at his word. Had not rained. He says, uh, Ahab, I just want you to know something. It's going to rain, and you better get out of here. Your chariot's going to get bogged down. Verse 46, when the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot, chariot all the way to Jezreel. When Ahab got to Jezreel, Elijah was by the city gate saying, what took you so long, big boy? Where you been? I've been here for a while waiting for you. So Ahab got home to Jezreel. He told Jezebel, his wicked wife, Jezebel. Uh, that's not one of the names people name their girls when they have little baby girls anyway. There's a reason for that. He told Jezebel all about what happened to her false prophets, and she said something like this, Elijah, you're a dead man. That's what she, she said, I'm going to find you. I'm going to make you like one of the false prophets when I find you. And this, this mighty prophet, this man of God, this caller down of fire from heaven, this one who outran chariots to get home before the rain fell got scared of a woman, a wanton woman. Guys, if you want to be scared of somebody, be scared of a woman. Proverbs talks about some, some women, and, they, they, and, and they talk, it's not very complimentary. It talks about like, like an ox being led to the slaughterhouse who gives in to that wanton woman. So just watch out for those wanton women. It talks about her eyes catching the flashing of the eyelashes. I think it's significant that there's these, these people have now like foot-long eyelashes. <laughs> they not only wink at you, they fan you while they're flirting with you. And he ran. The Bible says he traveled all the way to Beersheba and then a day's journey into the wilderness after all that had already happened. Up on the mountaintop all day long, listening to them cry to Baal, calling down fire from heaven, running to Jezreel, running some more, going a day's journey, and he was depressed. I don't know what's, what was the lowest moment in your life ever. You may be going through it right now. But all of us have had, at some point, the lowest moment we've ever had. And some temperaments and personalities have lots of those moments. And I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry for that. And, and I will tell you this. My temperament and personality early on as a teenager, I was, I think, tended toward that. I would tend toward being depressed and discouraged about things. And I credit one thing and one thing only, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit of God for coming in and relieving me of those, those things. He sat down under a juniper tree, if you read the King James, it says a broom tree, and he wanted to die. He, wanted to, he said, Lord, just kill me. I'm the only one left. Just take me. Why, why was he depressed? Well, first of all, he was exhausted. Secondly, he was fearful and afraid. And thirdly, he had just come down from a spiritual mountaintop. By the way, it was also a physical mountaintop. Not a real tall mountain, 1,700 feet or so, but still, he came from a high place down to the valley, 
And folks, you're going to have high places. You're going to have mountaintop experiences. You're going to have times when you're elated, times when everything's just wonderful, hunky-dory, and you're going to come down and you're going to find yourself in the valley. It's what you do in the valley. Don't undo in the valley what you did on the mountaintop. Don't leave God behind. Take him with you. So what did Elijah do? He laid down. He slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Not a, not a feast for kings, but some bread and some water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up. And ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave, and he spent the night. First Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 9. So what Elijah sorely needed was rest and food, and the angel of the Lord provided both. Now we are, if you haven't noticed, an obsessed culture. We are driven we're obsessed with jobs, we're obsessed with entertainment, we're obsessed with travel, we're obsessed with TV, we're obsessed with meetings, we're, we're obsessed with social media. I'm on my way to church, I come to a stop signal, the guy in front of me, the arrow comes on. I gave him a long time Maybe five or six seconds <laughs> before I honked. We're saturated. We, we are driven. We're so, uh, sometimes what we really need is what Elijah had. It was a nap. Hey, Jesus, be like Jesus. He took a nap. He was in a boat, and the storm was raging, and they thought they were, the disciples thought they were going to drown, and he's sound asleep. They had to wake him up. Sometimes what we need is a nap and some food, some good food, and a little bit of rest. Our physical body needs healthful nourishment. You can't run 24-7 indefinitely. There will be a breakdown. Your body is a lot like machinery. Machinery has to be maintained. And, and I, from working in uh, places, I worked in factories. I worked in a steel processing plant when I was uh, in high school and, uh, and then uh, first year of college, uh, first couple of years of college. And, and they would go from nine-hour days, six days a week to seven uh, days a week nine hours a day, and things would break down. The productivity was a lot less. First of all, the people were wore out, and they didn't produce as much. And secondly, the machinery couldn't take running round the clock seven days a week without maintenance. You need to build into your schedule times of rest, times of relaxation, times of renewal. You need to cut the unnecessary things out of your calendar. I know it's hard, but you need to do it. You need to take time to eat. I hear, every once in a while I hear people say, say hey, did you, what'd you have for lunch? Oh, I forgot to eat lunch. I have never in my life <laughs> ever, ever, ever forgotten to eat lunch. I've forgotten to go to work, but I have never <laughs> forgotten to eat. I don't even, that does not compute. What we need to do is put the phones down, step away from the computer, 
and just take care of the physical body God's given to us. Secondly, it's taking care of the mental. I'm going to share something with you about, you, you think Luke chapter 21 is talking about the heart because it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 25, there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. We've got all of that with perplexity. That is a disquieting uncertainty. We've got that. The sea and the waves roaring. Well, they were roaring last week with all the storms. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And, and I thought for, for decades, I thought, well, that means they're, you know, heart attacks, their hearts failing them. But the word heart here is aposuke, from apo, meaning deprivation, and suko, which is the soul we talked about early on. So it's, 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 it's the inability to be able to, to breathe because of the stress and the pressure that's not. It's a lack of breath, literally. So in the New Testament, to be faint of heart is, is due to fear or terror, and it means people will be terrified of what they see coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven should be shaken. It, it affects our suke. It affects our soul. It affects our mind, our will, our emotions. So in this verse, heart trouble is really head trouble. Fear, anxiety, panic. I've told you before, I... I uh, Right now, I'm worrying that I'm not going to get done in time, but uh, I'm not to the worry part yet, am I? I'm in a panic. Okay. I used to hear people talk about panic attacks, and I couldn't imagine what they were talking about until one day after my father had died rather suddenly of a massive stroke uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning. I remember the time I sat straight up in bed wide awake and was terrified. You say, well, preacher, aren't you... Aren't you you're afraid of going to heaven? No, I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I just don't want to go right now. I've got a couple of things I want to do. I'm glad to be going there someday, but panic attacks, worry, fretfulness, overmuch concern. I used to tell my people at my other church, you all worry, and that's a sin. I'm concerned, and that's okay. <laughs> I don't think they bought it. There's so much in this world today to make us uneasy. Oh, what are we to do? How do we take care of our mind and our will and our emotions? Well, in the bulletin, that outline kind of, that's what it is. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious and worried for nothing. Talking with God in prayer and supplication. Asking or begging God with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the promise is if we do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts. And this is a different word. This is not suke, aposuke. This word for heart is cardias. We get the word cardiac and cardio from that. So, so your hearts and minds will be kept by God. If we, center, we let our moderation be known, we're careful or worrisome for nothing, but pray instead of worry and supplicate, beg God instead of worry with thanksgiving for what we already have. And if we do that, we have the peace of God. And our minds are stabilized. Finally, he says, whatever things are are true, I already read all that, so I'm not going to read it all again, true, honest, pure, so on, lovely, and virtuous. Think about, you need to control what you think about. You say, well, preacher, I start thinking, and that's what, I start getting worried about stuff. Well, don't think in the same way. Don't think about 
those things in the same way. I mean, bring them with, to the Lord in prayer. Don't worry about them, but pray about them with prayer and thanksgiving for what you already have, but don't sit there and worry about it. You said, I can't help it. Yes, you can. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and listen to this, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He commands us to bring our thoughts, to captivate them, to make sure we control what we think about. And you can do it because God never commands us to do what we can't do. So the, the body, the mind, will, and emotions, last of all, take care of the spiritual. In our natural state, we're dead. It is the nature, in the nature of fallen mankind that he is dead. It was the consequence for Adam's disobedience. The Bible told us, and God told him, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And because there was no physical immediate death, maybe some people say, well, see, the Bible didn't, you know, God didn't really know what he's talking about. But what he did happen, what he did experience, Adam, that is, is he experienced spiritual death immediately. Physical death came later. You and I were born with a dead spirit. We inherited from Adam, and we must be made alive. We are spiritually stillborn. But thankfully, Jesus said, for as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, you ever wonder what that, does quicken, does that mean it makes him faster? It means it makes you alive. As the Father raises up the dead and makes them alive, so the Son makes alive those whom he will. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, then we who were dead in sins, God has quickened or made alive together with Christ, for by grace are you saved, and you who were dead in your sins and uncircumcision in your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So how is your spirit made alive. Physically, we know we're alive when we're conceived in our mother's womb. We're knit together. We, we are born. We have life, physical life, until we take our last breath. Mind, will, and emotions, for most people stay intact until they go to the grave. How do we keep our spirit alive? How is our spirit made alive? For Christ also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit. So have you been born again? And, and I know probably most of you have. I know, I know most all of you by name, know a little bit about your testimonies. But if there's anyone here who's not certain that they are spiritually alive, the way you'd get that, that new life is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let him come into your heart and your life. Make him the Lord of everything. So if you are quickened by the Spirit, if you are made alive by the Spirit, then you'll have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance against which, such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. When I was a young boy, I would buy a new comic book once a month, every month. Every month. How many remember this? 
All the old guys, yeah, yeah. Often they would they'd have this ad. This is an actual copy of an ad of a comic book back in, in the 50s, maybe the 60s, and it was directed to puny guys, skinny guys, and, and it would be it would be the skinny guy at the beach with his girlfriend, and then this big bully comes in, and in some case, some of the ads, he kicks sand in his face and uh, you know makes fun of him and, and threatens him and runs off with his girlfriend or whatever. And, and the ad was for some kind of a program that would make the skinny guy a real beast. I think it was by Charles Atlas or whatever. I don't know. I just want you to know something, guys. You can be the strongest person who has ever lived like Samson was. You can be the smartest person who has ever lived like Solomon was. But if you're not spiritually right with God... You have nothing. You have nothing that will go with you forever. You can be the most emotionally secure person ever, but still be in grave danger if you've not cared for the Spirit. So are you dead or alive spiritually this morning? One more verse, and I promise I'll be through. One more verse. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, if any person comes after me, let them deny themselves. And, and I looked up the word deny to see what the Greek word was, to see what the Greek word meant. And it means to refuse one's self, to set aside or renounce all personal ambition and self-interest in favor of the new claims of Christ. Do you understand what that means? I, 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 don't, I don't think I fully understand it to deny oneself, to refuse oneself, to set aside all of the personal stuff, things, achievements that I want, all of the self-interest in favor of the claims of Christ upon me and upon my life, an unreserved commitment to him and to his gospel. Because if I take up my cross, if I'm crucified with Christ, a crucified person can't grasp anything. Because a crucified person's hands are nailed to the cross. And it goes through one of the nerve centers that makes it impossible to hold anything. The fingers just curl in and are not able to function anymore. Why do we grasp on the things we grasp on? Why do we hold on to the things that are important to us and God doesn't care for? Let's deny ourselves. Take up our cross. And follow him. So honored, Father, to call you my God. The one who called down or sent down fire from heaven at the prayer of Elijah. The one who walked in the cool of the garden with Adam. And gave him explicit instructions about the trees in the garden and the responsibilities that were his. The God who became incarnate, enrobed in flesh in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. The God who became my personal Savior when I was an eight-year-old boy. The God who called me to preach. The God who has let us live an incredible life 
together, my wife and I, to you, oh God. I owe everything. I pray I would grasp nothing. I pray I would deny self and be quickened by your spirit and be kept alive by your spirit that it might make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? If you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to come. We'll take a moment show you in the Word of God how to be born again. If you want to come rededicating your life to the Lord, renouncing self and denying self, then you come right now. If you want to come see about being a member of the church or being baptized, then you come right now. I'll meet you right down here in the front. Ladies, my wife is right here. Guys, I'm, I'll be right here. Come ahead and do what God wants you to do. We're going to sing a verse or two of invitation, not very long, so do what God's prompting you to do, and then we're going to have a business meeting right after that. Everything's on the altar now. No holding back, no much you may be now those of you that want to stay for the business meeting everyone's welcome it's absolutely open meeting if you want to be dismissed or need to be we understand that and go ahead and do so i would just ask you one thing that you i know we love to talk and fellowship together but uh we'll need it quiet in here if you don't mind so if you if you are leaving go ahead and go out the back otherwise be seated and we'll have um our annual meeting that's prescribed in our bylaws and required in our bylaws and uh want to start off uh, first of all, thanking everyone for being part of First Baptist.